And now Reverend Patrick is going to introduce our guest speaker. Good morning. Wow. Ernest Holmes said it's, what's important is to, to be alive while we're alive. Do you feel more alive than when you walked in the door today? Yeah. Thank you, Carl. It's just amazing. So we're going to sing a song, say a prayer. Um, and if you'd like to stand with me and do that, that's great. If not, please stay seated. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room know with me in this moment the recognition of this one light this one life this power this presence the army of light the emissaries of good that we are immersed in in this moment and the consciousness of the dr ernest holmes whose shoulders we stand upon as we call his name forth and speak it that which we say we become and so I invite you to join me in this declaration that I am available, ready, willing, and able to embody, to express, and articulate that which spirit would guide me. I choose exquisitely this day. I celebrate in gratitude and appreciation all of the gifts that are present here. Ears to hear this beautiful music, a heart to resonate with each one here welcoming the conditions that have created an opportunity for us to welcome these amazing men into our community people of light people of grace and commitment sharing their gifts developing their gifts and helping transform the consciousness upon this planet so this day I stand in awe and appreciation and gratitude for that which seeks transformation by means of myself I know that every good thing necessary for you and I to experience, to be, to understand at the depth of our being is made clear in this moment. I release anything and I direct this infinite intelligence in, within me to release anything in opposition to what I've just expressed. So I stand with you in that beauty and grace, knowing every good thing necessary is here now. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. Well, it's my great honor, and I want to um, make this as, as brief as possible, but uh, to have Carl come back and, and share his music with us today and last night was beautiful. Thank you, Carl. He put on quite a, a light show for us last uh, solstice. Um, one of the things I know about life is that when you've had a great experience, you always want people that you love to go and have that experience with you. So it speaks volumes that Carl would actually invite uh, Reverend Dr. Christian to be with us today. Uh, and I'm so delighted because um, uh, Reverend Christian and I have st spoke for a number of years about getting him to Edmonton. And uh, he is just a, an amazing man. It, we, he uh, completed his ministerial training at the age of 22. 
His mother and father were both, both ordained ministers in religious science. He's a past president of the United uh, Church of Religious Science and one of the, the forebearers of us moving to integration. He's just an amazing consciousness. He has a wonderful, thriving community in uh, Seaside in Southern California near San Diego in Encinitas. Uh, his wife, Callie, and his son, Trevor, are not able to be with us today, but they're, they're uh, um, in a hotel downtown and, and uh, being looked after, and they're in our prayers today as well. And uh, it's just such a delight and an honor for me to have Carl say, hey, Christian, you've got to come back up and experience these Edmonton people. They're, they're pretty amazing. So please help me welcome Reverend Dr. Christian Sorensen. How's my hair look with that? Hey, good morning, everyone. What a joy it is to be with you here today. It is truly an extraordinary place you have. I've been to a lot of spiritual communities, and this is one of the most magnificent structures within our whole movement. You have got a fabulous thing going on. And your, minister, yeah, and your ministers are over the top. Dr. Patrick and Laura are loved throughout our movement, and what a blessing you have in those two. They are truly endeared in helping to guide us into the future. And it's always a joy to play around with uh, Carl Anthony. He's the godfather of my son, so we just call him the godfather <laughs> around our place. But anyway, uh, yeah, that fan's kind of fun. His hair blows, takes some uh, glamour shots or something. I, I like that. So, hey, anyway, this morning I thought I would talk a little bit about it takes guts to be extraordinary. And, um, and the thing with being extraordinary is you just got to want a little bit more in your life. I mean, anybody here today not looking to just have their life up leveled a little bit? If so, you're free to leave. And this message is for the rest of you. And I can remember my life um, at one point when I had wanted to swim with the dolphins. And I live in, in Del Mar, and I'd sit on the bluffs every morning, sipping my coffee, meditating, doing my spiritual thing. And one morning, there were the dolphins uh, swimming out there. And now these weren't like your SeaWorld kind of dolphins in cage in the dolphin encounter. They were like the wild thing. And there was my opportunity. And I got excited. So I, I ran down the bluff, and I got about halfway out into the water, and I started to freeze up with fear or common sense. You know, it's like, Christian, what's going on here? I mean, th those things are wild. It's not your dolphin encounter in a hotel. It is like the, the real deal. And that's water. And you don't breathe underwater like they do. It's not turf. It's actually water. They're big. They're moving fast. What are you thinking? And all of a sudden, that common sense began to make a lot of sense in my thinking. And I froze up with fear. And it was in that moment that I had to decide, was I going to follow my heart and have the experience that I wanted? Or did I want to listen to my thinking in my mind that was logical in that moment? And so what I did is I breathed, I decided to go with my heart. And the moment that happened, my body relaxed, and I dove into the water, and I swam out to them, and as I was swimming in the water, the sound became alive with the dolphins talking to each other. It was like a Jacques Cousteau uh, TV show. I could hear these high-pitched guys going on, and then instead of swimming to them, they came swimming to me, and I could almost touch them. They were swimming under me and around me, and then one picked his head up, and with his eye, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and Flipper and I, man, we had a bonding experience. We, we were brothers. But what I got out of that experience is that, you know, I had to become the point of transformation. It was nothing outside of me. You know, I could have gone either way. Either way would have been okay. It wouldn't have mattered in the universe what I had decided. But for me to have that extraordinary experience, I had to have the guts to say yes to that. 
Now, granted, in life we may falter a little bit on our way to having those extraordinary moments in, in our life, but it's only because we have somehow forgotten to listen to our intuition all the time. We have forgotten to notice the cues that life is giving us that you can go this direction. And the less that we listen, the farther it goes away, the more difficult it becomes to listen to that inner voice or that inner something. And so to have more than just the, the common experience, you have got to do something uncommon. You know, you have got to begin to listen to your spirit and your soul. If you want the abundance or the grace or the fireworks, you have got to be willing to step away from the gravitational pull of that mind that is pulling you down and realize that I've got to do something differently if I want it different in my life. And that's where the guts come in. If you want to break free of the imprisonment of your intuition, you've got to be able to break free of that prison of the fear, the anxiety, and the worry and listen to the stirring of your soul that is saying, have guts, go for it in your life. It is there for you for the taking. Yes. yes. Take hold of that in your life and in your world and realize that there may be difficulties or challenges or stumbles or bumbles along the way because that's what happens when you do life. You know, the thing about daily life is, well, that it's daily. And, and uh, and with it comes its twists and its turns. And what I've noticed is it doesn't check with my schedule to see when it's going to throw a challenge my way. Let's see, you're available, Christian, between 10 and 11 to deal with this issue. Nah. It's people doesn't call my people to find out when I can handle it. And I don't care how many self-help books you have read, life is going to throw some issues your way because that's how you come forth in a greater way to show that you are greater than what's in this world. What's in you is greater than what is within this world. But you have to be willing to face the turbulence or the bumps or the wounded individuals that are coming your way. And those questions that come up is just part of it. You've got to listen to the stirring of your soul. Have you ever had a good idea? Okay, you're not talking to me, but I'll tell you, anybody who's ever taken a shower, I know has had a good idea. <laughs> it's those that get out of the shower and dry themselves off and do something about it that make a difference in the world. They're willing to be different. And people will criticize, and you got those negative naysayers, oh, you can't do this. And you know what it says on the epitaph of the tombstone of a negative person? I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> So how are you going to deal with what comes your way? There's something inside of you that knows. I mean, there was a guy who got on the commuter train, end of the day, sat down next to this lovely young lady who was kind of leaning over, trying to go to sleep after her long day. And as the commuter train pulled out of the station, he pulled out his cell phone, called, hey, sweetheart, it's Eric. I'm on the train heading home. Yeah, I know, it's a 6.30 train, not the 4.30 train, but I had to work late. No, not with the blonde in accounting. You're the only one in my life, sweetheart, honest. You know, cross my heart. Well, you know, this went on for about 15 minutes. And um, finally, the young girl kind of leaned over and talked into the cell phone. Eric, would you hang up that phone and come back to bed? <laughs> Do you know that Eric doesn't talk on cell phones anymore in public? You know? There are answers, but you got to have the guts to do something different than the norm of being polite and acceptable. Sometimes you just got to be willing to follow that voice inside of you. And that's the beauty 
of this spiritual community is you're surrounded by a family, a spiritual family, a community, excellent spiritual leaders that are willing to call forth your inner rock star that say, you know what? You have been anointed. Go out there and fly. It's what you want to do, and I am here to encourage you is to walk out on the edge of the ordinary windowsill and defy gravity, mock gravity, spread your wings and fly, because some of us were just meant to fly in the world, and it takes guts to jump off that ledge of the ordinary realm and that world and trust the stirring of your soul and your spirit inside, because it knows what you have come here to do, and the old motivating factors of the fear and the anxiety and the old pictures just don't motivate us anymore because you're listening to a new frequency. You're listening to a new dimension, a new uh, vibration of your being. And the more you listen, the more you become aware of the cues that there are in life. And because something has been done, it doesn't necessarily excite you anymore. You haven't come here to do that which has been done. You haven't come here to be commonplace. You haven't come here to do the same thing everyone else. You have come here to inspire, to heal, to transform, to raise up in life in a new way, to inspire people to be more. You are a spiritual leader in this world. And we need you to be out there making a difference we're in this together together you're making a difference in Edmonton taking this word to the family to the friends to the workplace you're a spiritual leader willing to be bold in the declaration of what it is you have to say for life and day by day you're being called to step forth in a new kind of way to make that difference in life and in the world in which you live. And how it's gonna happen, I'm not really sure. But Joni Mitchell, a wonderful songstress, she said, I don't really know who I am, but life is for learning. Look inside yourself and you'll see the cues out there, but people are looking outside of themselves for the answers and for the support. There is this, um, this convent in Ireland and this 98-year-old mother superior was dying. So all the sisters were around trying to make her last uh, journey a comfortable one. They gave her a glass of warm milk and she wouldn't drink it. And one of the sisters, you know, took it out into the kitchen. And, and she remembered, you know what? The bottle of Irish whiskey we were given for a Christmas present, you know, last Christmas. So she said, you know, I'm just trying. So she poured in a very generous helping into that warm glass of milk. And they, they took it back to, um, uh, to the mother. She took a sip. And she took another sip. And then she like finished the whole glass. And her eyes began to twinkle, you know, and her, the color came back to her face. And, uh, and the nuns thought, this is the opportunity. We, Mother, do you have any last words of advice for us? Any last pieces of wisdom? She sat up on her elbow and she looked at him. She said, don't sell that cow. <laughs> We're just looking too far away in our life for the answers. We're looking outside instead. You know, life is obvious. But if you've been imprisoned by your fears and anxiety, you're missing the cues of the way in which you can live the extraordinary life. There was a guy who moved um, from Texas, and he shared. And Texas, that's you know the farthest south part of our continent here. And the, the Texas thinks they should be a nation unto themselves, but that's a different story. Um, Anyway, he said, there's two things that Lubbock, Texas taught me. He said, first, that God loves you and you're going to hell. <laughs> the second, that uh, sex is awful and you should save it for someone you love. 
It's like, where's the logic here? But you know how many people don't pay attention to things that are so obviously when they're shared? Yeah, I'll, whatever you say, I'm following you. But that's how you live the ordinary life. That's how you live the commonplace life. If you want something that's different, more exciting, more in inspiring, you've got a life where people just hunger for what it is you got. You know that movie? Remember it when Hallie met Sally and Sally's just faking the orgasm in the restaurant and the patron next to her leans over and says, I want some of what she's got. I want your world to look so juicy that your neighbors, your friends, your families are looking at your life and saying, I want some of what you got. That looks so good. You know, there, there was a saying in religious science, you, you have probably heard about it, but if someone were to come in here and arrest you for being a religious scientist, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Yes, is your life so extraordinary that the people around you say, I want some of what you got. They are following you here on Sunday mornings, and so there is no longer enough room because your life is working. It is glowing. It, it is on fire. It is ablaze. It is fireworks. It is the divine having its way as your very experience. That's how God works in your life. It shows up. Um, there, there was a... Mary Hagen, she shared the story of when she went to the beauty parlor to get her hair done. Um, they said, yeah, I can take you right now, but Mrs. Smith, who's under the hair dryer, um, as soon as she's done, I've got to take her and finish her, comb her out. Um, she's got a doctor's appointment after, after here. It's fine. Mary said, that's the way it went. They started on me, and when they uh, got going, uh, Mary's, um, or Mrs. Smith's, the hair was done, and they wheeled the wheelchair over to her, and they helped her out of the dryer seat into the wheelchair and back over to the station. And she was finishing combing her out when she was about done. Mary noticed that her husband drove up and parked the car, got out, paid for her permanent, got her coat, and patiently waited as he finished. And as they wheeled her back to her, over to her husband, Mary was saying it was obvious by that time that Ms. Smith was severely um, disabled and the husband is, you know, was quite a lot of burden and weight of having to support that. And they wheeled her to her, him, and he looked at her and said, you know, honey, I really don't think we should go to that party tonight. And you could just see the disappointment come over her face. And he said, why? And he said in a loving way, you look so beautiful. I'm afraid someone's going to steal you from me. That just doesn't get you. That's how life shows it. Those kind of qualities of spirit. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. There was this church in the foothills of the Smokies that had been bequest some land, and they had built a brand new sanctuary, and they were to open in a couple weeks, and the building department said, you're not going to get the permit to open because you have only half the amount of parking spots you need. Kind of like here, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and, and he said, but we've used all the parking we have. We've got right up to the mountain. There is no other space. And he said, well, you, you know, that, the, that's the regs here. And so he went away. That Sunday, the pastor at church said, you know, tonight, 7 o'clock, we're holding a prayer meeting. Any mountain-moving folks that with that kind of faith show up, and we're going to pray. 7 o'clock that night, 24 people out of a 3,300 congregation showed up, which is an interesting ratio. I trust we do better than that, at least the 2080 rule. But they got 24 people, and they prayed for three hours. The minister finally said, it's done. I see, I'll expect everybody back here next Sunday as we dedicate our new sanctuary. Monday morning, minister sitting in his back office, hears on the door, 
and he opens the door, and there is a, uh, a foreman from a construction company, he takes his hat off and says, you know, we have this building project of a new large mall over in the next town, and um, we're in need of some immediate fill dirt, and um, we would like to purchase your, uh, some dirt from your mountain right there, and we promise that when we're done, we will pave it and paint it and, and pay you for it, but the only caveat is we need it right away because it needs to settle before we can get going. That church opened up the next Sunday on time, just as Spirit has said. What I want us to get is that nothing is impossible with God when you are listening to the inside, when you have the guts to be extraordinary and your proclamation of what it is that you see is possible because spirit is looking at showing up in your life and what is showing up in your life is just giving you the opportunity to hone your belief and your, your knowledge of these spiritual principles that you know that work but only until you apply them in your life do you really know. George Carlin, one of his great lines is he walks into a bookstore and he asks the clerk where the self-help section is and she looks at him and says, well now, if I tell you, that would really defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? <laughs> I want you to be aware as you have been given everything that you would ever need. You have within you the ability to hypnotize the stars so they will line up like a row of dancing dancers for you. You have what it takes, but you have got to let go of the powerful grip of the myth that says that you are less than, that you're not extraordinary, or that you're not worth it. Let go of whatever preconceived notions you have that would deny moving mountains, literally, within your life and in your world. You have what it takes, and as you come clean, as you begin to say what is true, that you are no longer a child of a, an abusive upbringing, or a poor childhood, or a frail something, but claim that you are a child of God, a child of light, a child that is born in innocence, born with the infinite possibility, born with a mark on your forehead and the stars in the heavens that lined up with excitement because of the twinkle in your eye and the flutter in your heart and the skip in your step that you have come here to do something extraordinary, that you didn't come here to be ordinary just like anyone else. You have come here with a gift and you have within you all that is necessary to bring it forth. And when that realization comes, it will be like a bolt of lightning that will sever, absolutely sever that chain that has you bound. It will, it will cut that, that tether, that tie, that lineage of, that, of cause and effect and allow you to be free. It's not the DNA or the genes floating through your blood. It's not the atmosphere of your childhood or whether you were born tall and blonde or, or nature versus nurture. You are a force of nature that has been given the power of that divine consciousness to do that which is stirring in your soul, but you've got to listen to it because you are a divine tsunami that is taking hold of this planet. And we need you to do that in our life. Well, so I made some mistakes. So did those guys in the Bible. You know, did you read their stories? Look at, you know, David, he was an adulteress. Solomon, he was too rich to lead. Abraham, he was too old to lead. Um, Jesus was too poor to lead. Uh, you know, David was too young to lead. Uh, Martha, she, she was a gossip. Uh, Miriam, she was, a, she was also a gossip. Jeremiah, he had serious mental problems, thought about suicide. You know, Jonah, he kind of tried to hide from God. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, you know, Lazarus, for heaven's sakes, he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> 
So don't tell me that your past would de deter what is possible within your life. What you've got to do like that prayer meeting is to go to God with that mountain-moving kind of faith and begin to say, I've got the guts to speak the truth here. And Ernest Holmes, he talks about faith. He said, or he, ta he talks a lot about faith, but what I want to talk about was his prayer. He said, prayer is communing. It is communing with God. It's not speaking. It is not the tongue. But it, rather, it is a listening. It is a hearing with the ear, with the heart, with the soul, with the spirit. It's catching that vision that is God. It is communing. It is being one. It's going to God for God, not going to God for something. It is going to God for the experience of God and being that God expression. Not God and me. It is God expressing here and now. It is one. You read the Gita's. It says uh, Krishna is talking to um, Arjuna and says, I am the wise in wisdom. I am the beauty in beautiful. You know, that is what it... Let me fix this here before I think about it too much. Um, you know, our, our prayer, we're so busy trying to get God to come down to me, to have God as me, but as long as I got a me, I, I'm doing duality here. There's me. You know, it's not God and me or God as me. It is God appearing. I mean, that, that's it. You know, this beautiful guitar is made out of wood. Now, is that guitar, is it wood or is it a guitar? Yeah. Is it wood or is it a guitar? God. You know, is it you? Is it God? I mean, it's not God as me because then there's two. It, it's, it's appearing. It, it's your very life. You're that very expression. And when you are in that place, things begin to happen that support that. There's a man... Came home, a guy, a father, came home from work, tired, and sat down. His son, hey, Daddy, good to see you. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, son, what, what is that? Dad, how much do you make an hour? He said, boy, that's a rude question. You said, why are you asking such a thing? He said, oh, I'm just curious, Dad. How, how much do you make an hour? The child says, oh, or Dad says, I, I make $100 an hour. And the kid's head goes down and dejected. Let's head up. Hey, Daddy, can I borrow $50? And the dad just goes berserk. How dare you ask me how much I make so you can borrow some money, so you can go off and buy some silly toy or some equivalent of something that is nonsense. Why, how dare you ask me how much I make so you can have money, so you can buy something you don't need. You march yourself up to your room right now, young man, and you think about what you just asked, and you stay there until you come clean with that. Dad sat down, he started stewing, and finally a little time, half hour passed, and he calmed down and thought, really, my son hasn't asked me for money that often. Yeah, maybe I should give him that money. Dad calmed down, took the mature approach, you know. Dad went up, knocked on the door, said, son, are you still awake? He said, yeah, Daddy, come on in. He said, I I'm sorry, son, I, I have, um, you know, it was a full day, I was just agitated from work, and I took it out on you. Here's the $50. And what did you need the $50 for? And as he asked him, his son pulled out a bunch of dollars from underneath his pillow, all crinkled up and started counting out. And then dad started getting up and said, you have all that money and now you're asking me for $50? Why are you asking me for $50? And he counts out. He said, here's daddy, here's $100. Can I buy an hour of your time? Would you come home early tomorrow for dinner? It's... um. We just sometimes get carried away with life. We get so caught up in our ordinary common expression that we forget. I got to tell you, if that man died, his work would replace him pretty quick. And what I realize 
is if for some reason we die, our work would be able to replace us pretty quick. But it's the family, it's the friends in your world that will remember you for a lifetime. You could never be replaced. And are you living a life that is really worth remembering? And are you remembering to spend the time? I mean, more time with them than you do at work. I stop thinking, I spend so much time at work, I've got to spend more time with Trevor, my wife, Callie. And so I just encourage us to pause in our world and realize it takes some guts sometimes to step away from what it is we get caught up doing and we've just been doing it for so long that we're not checking the cues and the inspiration and the way that life is speaking to us. Because you have everything in you to move mountains and bring forth that extraordinary vision and potential of your being. And I'm here to encourage you to listen to that inner rock star of your being and step up and live that extraordinary life that you were intended to, to live because you have been coded for that. God bless you and all of us for when you say yes to it. I love you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Reverend Christian Sorensen. He's working on building up a little enthusiasm as he goes. It's beautiful. Fantastic. Wonderful to have you guys. You, you know, the, the energy that you've both brought with you has just been remarkable. You know, we are light. And, and as humans, we're DNA is light. And your light is just such a gift to the world. So thank you. And I feel so blessed that the conditions, we've created the conditions. We weren't ready for you till now. There we go. So with that in mind, I want to thank all of you for your continued um, financial support, your emotional support, your spiritual support. We are a self-supporting community, and um, we are making a huge difference in the world. I don't know if you saw the letter that I sent out uh, this week to a number of our, our members about the lady I ran into at the airport that talked about coming to our community and, and how it shifted her life. Uh, they left and moved to Oakland, California, and as soon as they got settled, the first thing they did was look for a um, Center for Spiritual Living and uh, how appreciative she was. Uh, we rode the, on the airplane. They came to that Sunday service, and I recognized the face but didn't remember the name. So your gifts, your support, your love, there, there's something wonderful happening here. And as Dr. Christian said, to become that contagion for good, to, to live that extraordinary, exquisite life is why we're here. And we support that. We are, I'm speaking to leaders that sit here today. So with that in mind, what I'd like to do is invite you to, as we share our offering today, as our ushers come forward, is to just... Hold your gift and understand that this is really a, a, a way of activating within us that divine presence, that divine life in a way that, that allows us to continue to support ourselves, those that we love, and, and everywhere in the world where love and, and, and any suffering may exist, that we are here to help shift and change that within our own being. And so our gift this day is a, a way of activating that within ourselves and to stand in that flow together in a beautiful, wonderful way, our divine nature. Ernest Holmes said our divine nature is one of abundance, our natural form of being. And so I stand with you in that consciousness. I give thanks for all the blessings, all the grace, all the beauty, all the resources that have gone to bring us to this moment together in love and joy and appreciation and knowing that the highest and the best continues to reveal itself for you and I and this planet. And this is our declaration individually and collectively. For this I give thanks. And so it is.